0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. You can read all of our stuff at MichiganInsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. This is a basketball podcast. We'll talk about Michigan's big win over Michigan State, kind of what it means, because it means a lot. You know, it's not just a big win. It's, it's a big win kind of in the face of things going not so well. And so what it means, what it entails, the carryover effect, uh, maybe reassessing how these final seven regular season games look, uh, maybe previewing a little bit of that, and then we'll also talk a little bit about where things are with Michigan in the brackets. So lots to cover, not a lot of time to do it. Steve, Michigan beat Michigan State by nine. Uh, Certainly there was some back and forth. I mean, it wasn't like a complete pantsing, but I felt like Michigan played its Frankly, I know they beat Gonzaga by 18, and that's going to look like a big, bigger win, but I think Gonzaga had enough new contributors, new parts that that it wasn't known. I think they were still figuring themselves out a little bit. I think this is Michigan's biggest win of the year and their best game of the year. I think the defense in the, in the opening 10 minutes, I think Michigan State had five points in the first 10 minutes. The fact that Cassius Winston really never got into a groove. Uh, the fact that nobody else on Michigan State really played well at all. And then the fact that the shooting came, Isaiah Livers stepped up. It seemed like, it seemed like every player, all eight players who played, made at least two or three clutch plays. Even if it was grabbing a loose ball or grabbing a big rebound, making a really smart pass, making a big shot. Uh, it just seemed like a very complete, connected team. I mean, it, I think it's the thing that Michigan fans had been waiting for really all of 2020 is when, when were they going to truly show up? Now, they had a nice win over Rutgers, and they had a nice win over, well, they beat Nebraska on the road when they were down two of their, their top two players, and they beat Purdue in double overtime. But this was really like a triumphant win, and they hadn't had one of those in a while. So I guess what are you? What were your some, some of your initial thoughts, some of the key takeaways you had from the game? Uh, and, and just, you know, I think... Obviously I think everyone was surprised that they looked that good but just kind of your impression of them putting together a win like that.
1: So I mean the obvious one is it's it makes a pretty big difference when your best player plays in the game. So you know I think it's little fr- not frustrating but you know you kind of look back if you're Michigan thinking man I wonder how many of these games we'd have won if if livers had been healthy. I mean you got to think at least two or three of those Games Ohio State probably the first one that comes to mind.
0: Ohio State Illinois and then I think one of the Iowa Minnesota yep, ones.
1: Yep. So you know, frustrating in that regard uh, to look back, knowing what could have been. You know, as far as the conference season goes, because I mean that that would put them in contention in conference, I think, uh, or at least
0: they'd be eight and four. So one game out yeah. of first. If you just take three, right. and if you want to extend it, maybe two of those road games or that game against Penn State. Right. Yeah. They. They could feasibly be a top two or three team in the conference.
1: and so that, I mean, was a big big takeaway for me. Two, just defensively as a whole, they just are starting to play better basketball, it looks like. It it feels like something's starting to click defensively because really, you know, defense was the last reason they lost to Ohio State. I know Wesson, you know, had a really good game. But again, it's one of those deals where, I mean, he had like, over half their points, I think, at the end of the game. You know, they did a good job of neutralizing everybody else. It was the offensively offense that really let them down in that game. So defensively as a unit, there, it looks like they're starting to play a little bit better. I also, and I tweeted this during the game, and I'm glad it got some attention in the presser yesterday, uh, but Wagner is a guy who's now making an impact in the game even when he's not scoring the basketball. But he's also... I think is starting to evolve as a scorer, too. I mean, you know, he he's the one guy, I think, he he's still the key for them, in my opinion, you know, as far as when March comes around, you know, as long as they're able to finish strong here and get into the tournament, you know, as a guy that he, when he gets into the lane, uh, he's either getting to the line or he's making something happen. I mean, he still has his bunny. He still misses a bunny here and there or whatever, but he's he's making plays. Uh, both offensively and defensively, I think that can really kind of be difference-making type things for Michigan. I know there was a stretch, and that's the part I tweeted about. It. I think he went there was like a three or four-minute stretch where he was just, you know, sort of that like kind of what we'd heard about him coming in, like that step ahead of everybody else on the defensive end, reading, reading passes, reading passing lanes, you know, being in the right spot at the right time, and then that was like. Really, that was part of what propelled them to that early lead, that they held on to. You know, was his early play on the defensive end, making a few heads-up plays. So, you know, those were sort of the things that stuck out to me. And yes, I mean, got to give credit to the coaching staff for devising what looks like a what looked like a better scheme against against Winston, who, again, really, it's kind of weird. You think about how much how well he's played against Michigan, but that he's still, I mean, he, he and Simpson, five and four versus each other. You wouldn't really think that. I know a lot of Simpson's success came early, but, you know, he had been utterly dominant against Michigan the last, like, three or four times they played. And Michigan finally, I think, kind of maybe figured out, at least, again, a way to slow him down. You're never going to stop a guy like that fully. Uh, but to slow him down, I think, was was paramount. Tillman didn't have his normal play out of his mind against Michigan type game either, you know, so maybe some props for for Teskey there, so uh, those are my biggest takeaways, the positive side, negative side sort of is Teskey. I, I I don't know if I'm like concerned about him yet, but just nothing really clicking offensively, I mean, he did make he had one stretch there, I think he made a few baskets, but, you know, I don't know, maybe you'd have a better insight on this than I did, but, or would, but, you know, I don't know if the minutes are catching up to him at all, uh, it's just... He mm-hmm. just doesn't look as effective, especially as effective as he did early in the season, you know, and, and defensively yeah, yeah. there's only so much he can do against somebody. I mean, these are, like, what, there's probably, what, four post, like, pros in the Big Ten this year, or guys that will at least get a uh, shot.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? could be.
1: So it's, you know, he's had his work cut out for him on the, on the defensive end, no doubt about it. And whether he's been disappointing there or not, I think that's up to People that probably know the X's and O's a little bit more than I do, but offensively, I think is where it's almost been a little more disappointing. They really haven't seen the consistency out of him that I think we had, were starting to get accustomed to. So, you know, how he looks in the final stretch, I think, will be very important and interesting for Michigan as well.
0: Yeah, regarding Teske, I think I don't actually think him looking worse or different than he did last year is that concerning? He He's playing under a coach who wants big men to do something fundamentally different than what he had spent three years practicing. And so obviously there is some overlap. They still want him to score buckets and, you know, be a pick-and-roll guy, but it's, you know, this back-to-the-basket thing. That's just not his comfort zone. He did not spend three years training that. And so I actually don't think – plus they are asking him not just more minutes but more of a workload – because they don't have a ton of scorers. Now they kind of do with livers, but for a long time, I mean, they needed Simpson or Teskey to score 15-plus points, and that's that's neither of their games, really. So I don't actually look at from last season to this season as that big of a deal. Would I? Because, again, it's just a new scheme. It's like a quarterback who it's like having, you know, maybe you have Devin Gardner come back another year and he's, playing under Jim Harbaugh or Denard from, you know, needed it. I don't know. You can make, there's a lot of different types of centers, and I think not all of them are going to work under Beeline and not all of them are going to work under Juwan Howard. But I think the regression mid-season is where you can get a little concerned because there was a time where he was scoring a lot of points, and it was pretty efficient. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he still had his flaws. He still had moments where he would go for a layup when he probably could dunk or he's shooting he still has that you know air ball per game deal but but there were times where he was scoring i mean there was i he might still technically be michigan's leading scorer uh but there was a time where he was averaging close to 16 17 points a game and that has completely disappeared so that's a concern i i i still think the road game or road um production is still a concern for everybody I think that's that's pre- probably that next step does Juan Howard figure out how to coach players on a on a well a Wednesday night in Evanston where it's going to be a very different kind of crowd it's going to be a different kind of arena it's going to be a different kind of setting and so I but I do think they made a lot of steps on Saturday. I think I think Brandon Johns you can see how much better he is because of how good he was off the bench. I still remember, well, there's been a few times where he just it was like, man, Michigan really misses Isaiah Livers. But then John started to ha- started to heat up a little bit, and now you see what it can look like when they have a guy off the bench who can do that. And I think to Julius and, and Austin Davis, another guy who's really ascending, for them to have this eight, this eight is comparable to anybody in the Big Ten. They don't have the NBA talent that Maryland or Illinois have I don't think they have um you know a national player of the year like like Iowa has or like what Michigan State can have but 8 for 8 I don't think there's a lot of teams that have what Michigan has and so does it does it parlay into a 5 and 2 finish I'm not so sure I do think they I I can see where Michigan fans are frustrated because it does look like this team the way they played Saturday, it does look like they could beat anybody in the Big Ten and could theoretically have come out on top in the conference standings. Now Maryland is if they're gonna keep winning the way they've been winning, uh, maybe not so much. Are they ten and three now in the conference? I believe, I but, believe so. Yep. So so they're starting I think they found the road game cheat code a little bit. Um, you know, just the way the way Smith has been playing and the way Cowan has been playing. But still, would Michigan be looking at a Two or three seed in the NCAA tournament, would they be contending for a banner? It certainly seems possible. So, I can see where that's frustrating, but at the same time, I think I think there were some benefits to those losses. I think Franz Wagner had to self reflect a little bit, uh, you know, and figure out, hey, I need to do stuff because my shot's not always going to fall. I think David Julius had to do some self reflecting. His decision making was probably. One area where he wasn't—he wasn't always making the right decisions. You know, he was—he was very quick. He was very aggressive. I think there's a lot. I mean, he's—he plays the way. I mean, he's very much—he's uh, gonna be. He's very assertive. You know, he—he's not afraid of anything. But some of those losses, I mean, humbling losses can be helpful in some ways. And and John's kind of seeing how far he still has to go. Uh, but also getting – he almost needed, like, a sniff of, of starting minutes just to get a sense, like, hey, I'm making progress too. So I think I think the losses can be beneficial. Um, I guess looking at these seven final games, again, depending on when you listen to this podcast, it might be six because they're going to play Northwestern Wednesday night. But they travel to Northwestern. They host Indiana, travel to Rutgers, travel to Purdue, host Wisconsin, travel to Ohio State, host Nebraska, travel to Maryland. So to me, I think they've got three wins. Well, maybe three or four in this stretch, and it's eight games actually, not seven. But I think they'll win Northwestern and Nebraska. I think they'll win Wisconsin and Indiana as long as they're healthy. But it's those road games. That's the swing. So, Steve, when you look at this, I mean, what what steps do you still want to see them take? Obviously, we mentioned John Teske, but are there are there other things that are still holding you back from thinking this is a top three Big Ten team? And then what do you make of some of those games in this in this home stretch? And what what would count record wise as I mean, what what does certain records mean? Uh, What what does that indicate about this team's chances in March?
1: I think above 500 should be the goal cuz yeah the biggest thing for me is is yeah seeing it on the on a in a true road setting cuz it's been you know outside of the dud they laid against ohio state offensively but the it's it's been night or night and day otherwise road and home for them especially on the offensive end so to see you know some some quality true road performances i think would be a big step Although I mean I I suppose for the tournament that doesn't matter that much I mean because they've actually played really well on neutral floor for some reason um, but you know just to finish out the year against some some better teams on the road you know I think would be significant so other thing for me I just they got to sh- they got to continue to shoot the ball more consistently uh, that's really I think what a lot of this is going to come down to and Livers is making it has made a difference there he's their I think he is their best outside shooter and so. You know, but maybe more from like Brooks and to see maybe Wagner hit a few more from deep, I think is one of it's one of those situations where well, kinda like it's not gonna be quite like it is with Simpson where teams are I think are always even though he you know he had the four against Michigan State, I still think teams are gonna kinda let him take those shots more often than not. But for guys like Wagner and Brooks, you know, consistent outside shooting can open up a whole different
0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: area of options for those guys offensively, you know, especially I, I, I still look at Wagner, you know, if he can start to kind of find it from the outside, then his offensive, he can kind of open up his whole arsenal offensively, you know, because right now I feel like teams are maybe just going to start packing, packing in a little bit when he has the ball and, and, you know, maybe letting him, prove it from outside before they go any further. So, so yeah, I mean, so true better, true perfor- uh, road performances, you know, and true road games, more consistent outside shooting, I think from Brooks and Wagner specifically. And then also, um, uh, oh, damn it. What was the third one I have it, it was a good one too. Uh, hmm. I can't remember number three. I I'd, I'd have to sit here for too long to figure it out. It was, uh, yeah, no, we're good. So, those two things those are the big those are the most important things to me
0: yeah I think I, I'm with you on the shooting by the way they're 11 and one when they shoot 36 percent from three and they are three and eight when they don't so it's it's clearly a big split now one thing I will say 36 I know college folk, college basketball fans might be thinking oh that's not that's not actually that high they did move the three point line back uh this year and it, it's made a big difference uh, opponents are now shooting. or teams nationally are shooting 33.3% when it was above 35% just a year ago. So those are good shooting games. But at the same time, I think Michigan clearly just the lack of, I shouldn't say lack of playmakers. They don't have the playmakers they had last season and they don't quite have a Charles Matthews shut down defender who can, who can spell an opposing uh, wing guard type. And so I think that they, they do need to shoot well to win games, and it, and that's okay. You know, it's, I know live by the three, die by the three is kind of an indictment on a on a bad team, but this is a team that that has shooting prowess, but they don't always show it. So I think that's a fair one. Um, I think I think maybe you want to see continued development from the bench. Obviously, there, the Julius Johns and Davis all seem to be trending up. Can they get maybe a little bit? Can they get can they get a little bit more from from both from all of them? I mean, can Davis defend without fouling quite as much? Can Johns um, be a consistent scoring threat? Can DeJulius kind of manage the game and allow and defend in the way that Brooks and Simpson have started to? Because that was a big difference. I, I don't know. Again, not dogging DeJulius because Cassius Winston's a very impressive basketball player, one of the better ones in the country. But when Simpson and Brooks were off the court, you know, um, Michigan State was able to take advantage. And I'd say Franz Wagner had a similar effect on Saturday. I don't know if they if that was the start of something new, or if that was just a particularly good game. But still, his defense has has greatly improved. I think they're past the the you know the post defense. I think they've kind of figured that out. Now, can Teske bring you more points? Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, this is – I mean, I guess we'll see. I feel like Saturday – I felt like there was there's going to be a carryover. I felt like what Isaiah Livers brought, just not just in box score stats, but in, in energy and in kind of – it just looked like a different team from a body language standpoint. So do, do they still win if Xavier Simpson struggles from three or if if Michigan State has slightly better play from players who weren't Cassius Winston? Because to me, the story of the game – when Cassius Winston was on the court for 35 minutes, Michigan State outscored Michigan by four. In the five minutes he sat, Michigan out Michigan outscored Michigan State by 13 points. So that's a crazy split. It's um, it's mathematically the difference in the game. So a few few parallels. Again, I think I think if you're looking for signs this week, I think if they shoot well in both of these games, if Michigan doesn't make Northwestern a dramatic game. I expect Michigan to win. I guess they I mean you know, we've seen weirder. Michigan has quietly lost 3 out of 4 at Northwestern and it's been it's been kind of they've been some funky games. They've been kind of weird ones. If Michigan's if Michigan avoids the drama on Wednesday and then against both Indiana and Northwestern brings its shooting, I think you can start looking at those games and say, "Hey, maybe Michigan can steal one of these road games." at Rutgers, at Purdue, at Ohio State, tough environments. Sorry, for the time being, I'm not counting at Maryland as a potential game Michigan could steal. But those first three, Purdue, Rutgers, Ohio State, tough environments. But at the same time, teams that are not infallible, teams that Michigan, Michigan's beaten two of them already and they almost beat Ohio State, could be could could be interesting if if they can take care of business this week with a convincing 2-0 record. Uh, we'll close the show in just a few more minutes here looking at some of Michigan's bracket the bracketology. I uh, I know fans fans can sometimes think, you know, if they lose a couple games, they lost four games in a row and suddenly you heard, "Oh, Michigan's going to be an NIT team, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament." They were certainly on the bubble. I don't know that they ever really Fell out of a likely to make the tournament setting. I think th- I think I saw them as a as a potential ten seed, and certainly some brackets had them out. But really, I th- I don't think they they ever completely fell out of favor uh, regarding the bracket. Currently, they're currently sitting in an eight seed. They're in on ninety five out of ninety six brackets according to Bracket Matrix, uh, mostly seven and eight seeds. I, I've seen in the last 100 or so, uh, one one bracket left them out. Uh, a couple have put them as six seeds. There's one that has them as a 10 seed. But really in the last few days, it's been almost exclusively 7, 8, occasional 9. That sounds fair to me. I mean, they're probably around the 30th best team in the country, so that's what it takes big weekend or big week for them because these are two games that are not going to be quadrant one games. And so they don't, I mean, they're going to end up playing around 18 quadrant one games. And so they have to win these two. If they have a bad loss right now, they don't have a bad loss. Their only bad loss from a NCAA tournament resume standpoint is losing to Illinois at home because Penn state, that's a quadrant one loss. Ohio state's a quadrant one loss, Louisville, Oregon, Oregon, Illinois on the road, Iowa on the road. Minnesota on the road could end up, you know, we'll see what Minnesota looks like, but but they keep hanging around in that tournament picture. It's the Illinois at home loss is the only it's the only quadrant 2 loss that they have right now. And so if they can take care of business outside of quadrant 1, they're going to be in really good shape. Better better shape than the record might look. And similarly, I mean they're currently 6 and 8 in quadrant 1 games. And while the eight, eight losses is like the fifth most in the country, the six wins is the sixth most in the country. And I think I've found in my experience tournament selection looks at the big wins. The losses they look at, they don't obviously it can hurt you, but they're looking for a team that can generally contend with NCAA tournament teams. And so if Michigan if Michigan's able to finish around five hundred against quadrant one teams, it won't matter that they have 10, 11, 12 losses on their, on their schedule. What will matter is that they have a lot of big wins, that they beat Gonzaga, they beat Michigan State, they beat, um, you know, Purdue is looking like a good a good win. They beat Rutgers, and who knows who else they might beat. So, yeah, they're probably not going to crawl into that top four seed. They would really need to go on a on a pretty special run to do that. But they can get into that five or six zone, and to me... If they can get to be be a six seed, they have a very good chance of being a second weekend team because eight seed means you're playing a one seed in the second day. A seven seed, you're playing a two seed. But if they can get maybe that, that 20 win mark, I think is what it would take to be a six seed. If they can get to that 20 win mark, that would require a six and two finish down the stretch or... At least a couple wins against good teams in the Big Ten tournament. I don't know. It's just crazy what it what a difference a week can make. Because if we had done a podcast last week after they lost to Ohio State, it it it, it would have been not necessarily from a bracket standpoint. I think they were still a nine seed. But man, oh man, does that that team look different with Isaiah Livers in the lineup with with this bench looking as good as it does with Franz getting better before our very eyes. Eli Brooks, we haven't talked about him a ton, but I think he's I think he's starting to bring it more consistently. He he's he isn't going to score 20 points a night, but I don't think Michigan needs him to. They do need him to score at least 6 or 7 a night. He reminds me a little bit of Duncan Robinson where if he's if he can make a couple shots to help spread the floor, to help um you know just keep keep opponents on their toes or on their heels maybe. I think that Michigan's offense flows a lot better. And then his defense on Cassius Winston can't overlook that. If he can do that against opposing point guards, Michigan's in very, very good shape. So for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories over at MichiganInsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. We'll have coverage from this basketball game. I Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make this trip. I am planning on going to Purdue, to Ohio State, and potentially to maryland the weekend games are a little bit easier in terms of scheduling with the radio show this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you next week